We're holding by Peretzayin of Shmuel. We saw the story of Shmuel bringing a carbon, which we were wondering why he chose to bring a carbon, which normally was not allowed to bring. Whether it was a baby which was underage, whether it was a nursing a- a animal which was a female, either around the can as an oiler. So yes, he had the license of a Navi to do something, which would normally the Torah would forbid, but the question is why it was necessary to do. I guess I didn't see any of the Mephoshim uh, who raised the question. So if it was available to him, I don't know, but anyway, that was uh, the carbon he brought. Now, the result of, bringing, of the, the convocation of all the Jews in Mitzvah was that it brought the Plishtim to suspect there was some kind of uprising, some kind of rebellion. And therefore, the Plishtim, like we saw, they moved their armies to camp against the Jews, to, you know, going to attack them and quell the uprising. And when that happens, so the Jewish people see that the Plishtim of mass their troops, they tell us what to learn for them. And they say in Pasukhes, don't keep quiet from Tavim Tashem and Abihat, Yeshem and Yerpishtim. And therefore, this was the point which uh, maybe Kaishal had made a mistake the previous time. Now, if we saw the first war against the Pishtim, the mistake Kaishal made when they lost the original battle was instead of turning to Hashem and Davening, and to doing Trevor, they rather they thought, well, let's bring the Aaron Kodesh. That's going to that's like a surefire way to win. And uh, bring the Aaron Kodesh, but without doing Trevor first, and therefore without this chosin that was necessary, so it was just ended in tragedy. When this time we see Chazal had learned the lesson, and now that they were once again being confronted with the Plishtim, so this time they realized that their strength lies in Tfila and in the Trevor, which is what they do. It's the holding Pastor Gyud, and it says, Shmuel brought the carbon. They attacked first. So they, they, so to speak, deployed their forces and marched to a battle against Israel. It's interesting, it's the same Pasuk, yeah. Right. It was as, as the one was happening. And here, like Hashem wanted to show that when Israel did return to him and did Shiva and they daven, then Hashem helps. And that's exactly what happens. Hashem so it made the Christian viewers tremendously loud noise, and by whom it frightened them, it scattered them. As a result of that, they lost the ability to fight. By Enoch, we did Israel. Which person? We have And therefore, they, they, they were dispersed. By Enoch, they, they were lost, basically. They were defeated by Israel. Now, the amazing thing here is, Israel didn't go to war. Kaisal didn't attack them at all. Like it says, where we deserve Hashem fights for us. And that's what happened over here. Hashem brought these tremendously loud noises, which they obviously were afraid of. And they thought it was something spiritual. They thought it was some tremendous force marching against them. And as a result, like I said, they lost the ability to fight and they turned in their head. And therefore, Kaisal had all been gathered in Tfilah at Mitzvah. They left. A year the first Pishtim, and they chased after the Pishtim. By Yakum and Mitachas Lebeiskar, and they, by Yakum, they inflicted casualties. They killed them. The whole way from where they were mitzvah until a place called Beiskar. The entire Yonason translates Beiskar as Beis Sharon. We know what the Sharon is. The Sharon is in the central part of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore, if the Pishtim ran there from mitzvah, it's like basically. Quite a long distance that they they were chasing them and 
defeating them. They were headed back to Aza. They were headed back towards the Lidish, right? Shmuel Eben Achas. Vayasin ben Amitzah ben Hashem. So Shmuel takes a stone and he puts it between Mitzvah, which is where they begin, where the battle began. Ben Hashem. The Shem is obviously a, an upright rock. It looks like a pillar of stone. It's kind of, if you think of it creatively, it looks like a tooth. That's called Ben Hashem, which was the place where base core was. They call the stone of Yisab as a Mateva, the stone of Yisab, of the one who saved us, which means In other words, until here Hashem helped us, this was the whole derech that the Vlishtim were running in defeat from Mitzvah until they got killed in this place called base uh, core. And that, that was a, sign, a symbol of the nice which happened to them. And that's why Shmuel sets up this pillar as a reminder of uh, the nice which happened that Hashem helped them defeat the Fishti army, even though really they did nothing to, to initiate that. They were davening. And the Baruch brought about the victory. So he didn't put it at the Shen itself. He put it halfway between Mitzvah and Shen. Right. The way the Beit Shen is... Uh, in other words, that's what that's what we don't know. He doesn't say where Beis Shein is, but uh, the Radak explains, and it, in, in this place called Barakar, Beis uh, there was this pillar of rock, this Shein, and on the road from between Mitzvah and, and there, which means on the road in between them, that was the road that the Pishtim ran and just pursued them. That's where he put this uh, this this it's Evan right. It comes up again later in the Nach also that uh, there was this was this was obviously a well-known milestone, a well-known point we call the Ebenezer. The sign which shows that Hashem helped us. And the result of that war is now, whereas previously the Christians had felt themselves to be, so to speak, the masters of Klaishol, having once had the signs of me the previous time, now the Christians were humbled by their last, by Yikonah Nishtim, but they also had love before Yisrael. And if they didn't, they'd go back into the Jewish territory again. But he had Hashem of Nishtim, and the hand of Hashem was against Tishim throughout the time that Shmuel was the, was the Shafet, which means that, that Hashem kept the Tishim at bay. He, he suppressed them. They felt uh, too humbled or too scared, as it were, to attack the Israel again. And this is, again, all the result of the Tshuva. As always, the nations around Klai Yisrael, which are our enemies, um, are black puppets, which are held by the strings that HaKadosh Baruch was in play. And if he's going to that declare them when Kaisal deserved to be punished. And when Kaisal, like in the time of Shmuel, which was a spiritual high for Kaisal, and therefore Kaisal would be led by Shmuel, they were only doing what they were meant to do, then Hashem kept the Pishtim back. He, not because they didn't want to try and attack us again, but they were, Hashem maintained that fear that they had of Kaisal so that they would be too scared to try. And not only that, that the Pishtim left the Jewish people alone, but Kaisal regained the lost ground as well. It doesn't possibly be valid. But all the Pishtims, the cities that the Pishtim took from us after the previous last, so they got returned to Kaisal. Me'ekran, Vadgas, Ves, Bolon. Ekran and Gas were the Pishti cities, but from those cities and all of the cities, everything further inland, which was Kaisal's territory, they took back again. Hitzel Yisrael, Me'a Pishtim, Kaisal managed to rest back from the Pishtim. Now, what this possibly means is something surprising because the Emory weren't involved in the battle. The Pishtim weren't Emory. The Emory were other nations of Knan who were still around. And like we saw at various other times, 
um, in, the, in the period of the Shoftim, the Mori were also an enemy of the Jewish people. And uh, with the, the way the Mephashim explained it over here is that the Mori had nothing to do with the fact that we conquered or used the territory back from the Pishtim, and the Pishtim uh, remained submissive or subdued. Rather, it was a separate nest. And that is, there were other enemies that Israel had too. But just like a Kodesh Baruch uh, keeps the Pishtim away, so also he ensured that the other nations wouldn't harm us either. And once again, this is all part of the bracha of the Israel listen to Kodesh Baruch from the Santi Shalom Barats. Hashem says it's going to be peace, and that is you're not going to be affected, you're not going to be attacked, you're not going to be at risk of our enemies. And when, when the Jewish people in the time of Shmuel were active, Hashem wanted them to act. So then you made it, Hashem fulfilled that promise to them, and there was peace throughout the reign, throughout the lifetime of Shmuel. And that's the Pasuk of Karizan, the Pasuk of Tesvot. What, what, what does peace mean? You have the Pasuk, Tesvot, Shmuel judged the Jewish people his entire life. It wasn't so long. Shmuel lived only until the age of 52, Gemara tells us, and he only became the leader after he saw at the age of 39. And therefore, Shmuel's tenure as a leader was already 11 years, because the last two years, already, he had already appointed Shaul as the king then. So even though Shmuel was still the lobby and the ultimate halachic authority and the, the shepherd, but he wasn't uh, acting as the leader because he was the king. But uh, Shmuel's term of leadership as the leader of Kaisal was 11 years. When it says he was shepherd to Shalkali Meichayev all the rest of his life, it means even the last two years, where he was no longer necessarily the title ahead of Kaisal. Because he appointed Shal as the king, he was still the judge of Kaisal. And therefore, he, he didn't give up his position as, as the Poisek was the Arachic authority of Kaisal. And as opposed to the previous Shaftim, which we learned about, the period of the Shaftim, about the accusation that there was against the Shaftim was that they remained wherever their location was and uh, waited for people to come to them for judgment and they didn't take an active interest in trying to improve the level of Kaisal or keep an eye on maintaining the standards of Kaisal. So you see that's what Shmuel was different, it wasn't a Shafet. It was in different category, the first of the Nevi'im and Shmuel made his responsibility to make to travel from place to place to make sure that Kaisal on the one hand, was keeping the Torah, on the other hand, there were, there were no issues which needed to be taken care of. And that's what it says in Pasuk Tazayin. Every year, Shmuel used to go, like, travel from place to place. The Sava of Basel, Gilgal, Mitzvah, he went around Basel, Gilgal, and Mitzvah, that's really the central part of Israel. The Shabbat is Israel, and he's called Mekai Musa'ed. And in all those places, he was Shabbat Yisrael. In other words, he, wasn't, he didn't just remain in his hometown. But he travelled around in order to, in order to ensure that Kaisal were, were doing what they were meant to do, and also in order to make sure that everything was being held, was being kept. Tafid Mishpat, Tafid And that's the what's miyuchad about Shmuel is the fact that he was uh, willing to be most never so to speak, to go into the difficulty of not having a home, of travelling from place to place, and uh, in each place only for the term of the tibur that that he would, he would be there available for them to teach them or to judge them or to direct them and uh, we've seen even more than that and the Gemara says that it says that Shmuel wouldn't take any favors from anybody wherever he went it says uh, that he, he had this like he packed a caravan of all his possessions and from town to town he would take his own food he would take his own tent he would take his own bedding he would take his own pots and pans wherever it would be he wouldn't uh, avail himself of anybody's services anywhere and therefore, again, it just made it more difficult. 
It's one thing to travel from place to place. If you have a, a hotel waiting for you, or at least a, somebody who's waiting to host you in each town you go to. But if you're going to refuse anybody's service, and and uh, you're going to insist on taking care of everything yourself, then it makes travel that much more difficult. But that's what Shmuel did. Why did he do that? Why wouldn't Why wouldn't he allow anybody to help him, to serve him, to do anything for him? So Shmuel felt this was a tikkun. It's from the Paiskin and the Mephoshim. Shmuel felt this was a tikkun for the sins of the sons of Eli. Because the sons of Eli abused their power by taking for themselves even what was due to them. The, the portion for the Kohanim, but they took it for themselves. And that was distasteful in the eyes of Kaisal of Menachil Hashem. And therefore Shmuel was decided for himself the way he's going to live is he's going to look after Kaisal, but by not taking anything. No one will ever be able to doubt Shmuel's motivation as being anything less than completely Lishma. No one will ever be able to accuse Shmuel of having any self-interest in what he did for Kaisal. And that's why even if it's not a halakhically awesome for uh, somebody to, you know, to accept uh, food or to accept lodging, when he's traveling from place to place, Shmuel made Shmuel not to do that because never no one would ever doubt the sincerity of what he was doing. So first thing, what is that? is right, it's also brought down. And there is a dayan. So Valach is a dayan, obviously can't accept a favor from anybody because if that's the case, then he would be unfairly indisposed to that person's favor. The Gemara gives a number of stories of, of Dayanim. Who, when someone offered them even a minor service, like helping them like up from the, the chariot, wherever it was, they already said, I can't judge you anymore. And therefore, that is anybody who's uh, coming for a dintaira, they're dying not allowed to get any benefit from. But even if that would be the case, Shmuel went to an extra level of humor. And that was anybody who could potentially be a, a, a baldin, so they don't take anything from anybody because otherwise that person wouldn't be able to come to Midrashim later. And therefore, in order to make sure that there would never be anybody who Shmuel would feel that he owed something to or that he had any favoritism towards, so he never took anything from anyone. The halacha doesn't require that, obviously. The halacha just requires that a person who isn't right now acting as a judge can't take a favor from one of the litigants in front of him. And if he has taken favors from someone in the past, and that person would now come to him and base him, so he would have to disqualify himself. But for Shmuel, who wants it to be available to judge the whole of the Jewish people, Therefore, he took a step backwards and he made sure that he would never benefit from anybody and therefore there would never be anybody who who would be considered that he would be unable to judge because they had done him a favor. That's true as well. Now, there is a, another point. The Gemara Nkhulun talks about Anhogar Pilchot when you're ahead and that is that he says from the Yom Sha'amar al-Daita he never took a favor from any other person. And the question there is why wouldn't he do that? And the Gemara gives stories even about people who weren't necessarily people who was going to judge. The Gemara talks about, for example, Rabbi Ranasi once wanted to host him, and Rabbi Ranasi managed to avoid getting hosted, which was the Gemara's whole story about it because Rabbi Ranasi was a Nasi. So he couldn't really turn down the Nasi. But nevertheless, Rabbi Ranasi managed to find a way out of it, and Rabbi realized that. And the Gemara says, he himself says, Ritzani Rabbi Yasi, that he, even though he wanted to host Rabbi Ranasi, since Rabbi Nachman didn't want to be hosted, Rabbi so to speak, helped him avoid avoid the invitation. Okay, so what, why would he do that? So we don't find the reason there was because he didn't want to pass himself as a dying, or that he was he thought that people would uh, blame him for having ulterior motives. Firstly, he wasn't a dying, and secondly, he wasn't the god Lador, that people would like look to him to go like, that he was taking advantage of them. And uh, we're talking about his colleagues like Rabbi Yeranasi. Why would so why wouldn't he take anything from anybody? Oh, <sighs>
And that is that it's not like when Shmuel was busy, so to speak, traveling judging Tanishal, and when he came home, he came to rest. No, he came home to judge people there too. It wasn't, uh, didn't make a difference. Okay, so that's uh, that's the one. Uh, but there's another point here as well. So firstly, so what did the, the Hasidim in the various forum answer about the question you asked before? And that is, and basically the answer is on the principle that the, it's supposed to support a tzaddik if the tzaddik needs support. And therefore, if, if by, by providing the food of the tzaddik or providing the needs of the tzaddik, so the person can say he has a chalik in the system of that tzaddik. But in the case where the tzaddik doesn't need it, and if so then there's no reason to take it. And therefore, Shmuel is in the category that he didn't need anybody's things. He, he, had, he had what he needed. He didn't do more than that. And he made it. There was no reason there was no reason for him to take. It wasn't like he was going to use what people would give him. And he made it so the matter they therefore he, he didn't he had an argument to take from anybody. It's pretty limiting the whole Pidya Nefesh thing. <coughs> We're limiting the whole Pidya Nefesh. It's only when the Talik doesn't have money. But if he's got plenty of money, there's no money. Oh, he's using it. Well, well he's just finding something to use it for. It says Shmuel judged them in his hometown of Rama. And the second point it says, We know that, as we saw before, this was a time when there wasn't a Mishkan, and it was before the base of Mikdash, and therefore, they were in the land to build a Mizbech wherever they wanted. Well, there was a Mizbech, this is a Mizbech of Nod. Why did Shmuel build another Mizbech in his own hometown of Rama? Um, and besides, and especially since mostly he wasn't even there. So, what was the idea of building Mizbech there? So, the understanding was that uh, similar to what says Moshe Rabbeinu, that at the time period after Chet Egel, so Moshe's tent became an oil moat. It became a meeting place for people who wanted to ask for advice or connect to Hashem. So Shmuel made his home the same thing. And that is, that, that became a place where people would come to Kiyinu as, as a place of Ruchnis. They didn't have a Mishkan, they didn't have a place anywhere else to go to. And that's why he built a Mizbech there. That would be a place. If you look up in Kabbalah, there would be a place where there would be a a central point, so to speak, for, for people who wanted to um, to connect to Hashem or to to bring, to either learn from Shmuel or to be able to bring Kabbalah. It's also an Ashma, that was something a Navi for himself he wanted to do. And that is, if you have the opportunity to bring Kabbalah, there was a way to miscarry the Kodesh Baruch, especially there's no best in Mikdash, so one was allowed to use a bomb as a way to bring Kabbalah. And that's the case. The last point, we know that the Gemara says that the reason why the Rishkos Agazis, which means the seat of the Sanhedrin, was really in the base of Mikdash, was because being in the base of Mikdash had a certain set of Dishma. And therefore, there were certain cases that only the Sanhedrin or Gadol were allowed to judge when they were in the Rishkos Agazis. If they were for whatever reason exiled and they weren't in the Rishkos Agazis, they weren't allowed to judge because it was understood they wouldn't have the same set of in judging. Um, in other places that they would have in the Mesa Mingdash where there was the more Hashra Zashin. There could be here as well that there were those cases which Shmuel wanted, he built Mizbech, he wanted to judge in the proximity of Mizbech. It was a place where he would, he, they could do a Vaidah, and therefore there would be more of a connection to Kaddish Baruch. The Sanhedrin judged when he left the Mesa Mingdash? Not everything. There was not a, capital not cases, capital but cases. everything else? Why not capital cases? Because they need to set them to and they felt that they didn't know the they couldn't judge it. That's what these are. It's capital cases. Right. And so it could be also that, sh- that there are certain things that, sh- that Shmuel judged, Basham Shabbat Yisrael, 
there were things of either communal importance or things which were uh, then which more wanted to judge next to the Mizbech. And therefore, it wasn't the regular cases that he went around the cities and judged people with their private, uh, you know, in every space. Things which he felt needed a, a, a different level of, of, of guidance. So he judged in his home next to Mizbech where there would be more of a, a connection to to to, 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 to Ruach HaKodesh. Why didn't they build the Mishkanah? 